Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. And a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome to Green and Growing. Thanks for being here on 95.5 WSB. Seven minutes after 6 o'clock. It's already 78 degrees in Metro Atlanta, so it's going to be a hot day. Plan accordingly. Hope you have some nice plans for the weekend. We're just rolling right along in the summer heat and COVID or no COVID. It's just hot. It's just hot. You got to find things to do, find things to stay indoors and stay cool. So if you need help in the landscape, I know it's going to be a little warm today, but you still got to get out there and do stuff. I had to mow the grass yesterday, waited till about seven o'clock in the evening and it was still really warm, but just a really good cut of the grass, watered everything I had to water the hostas were struggling. The garden, we'd been out of town, so the garden was struggling a little bit, deadheading some things. Dianthus, for one, they just started looking kind of weak, so needed to deadhead those. But I felt really happy and rewarded once I came back inside about 8.30 when it finally started getting into, uh, into to darkness. So if you water in the morning or in the evening, let me know and let me know why. I, I water in the evening just because I'm usually here in the mornings. But um, if you have any theories on that or any lawn and garden questions today, this is the place to be, 404 872 Someone many of you are familiar with from Walter Reeves' show, Erica Glazner. She co-authored quite a few books with Walter over the years and is on HGTV and all of that. She's going to be along at 7.30, and for about half an hour, we're going to answer your calls together beginning at 7.30. And then she is representing Piedmont Park, and I have someone from Zoo Atlanta coming on together at 8 o'clock to talk about an exciting new project that keeps the animals at Zoo Atlanta very happy and how Piedmont Park has a hand in that. So all of that coming up. You'll want to stay tuned, and you can call now with your lawn and garden questions. But first up, as always, couldn't do it on a Saturday morning without her, Nicole from Griffin. Good morning. Ashley, how well, you doing? So what's going on today? What did you hear me talk about watering? Yes. Do you water in the morning or the evening? <clears throat> uh, is there a need this year? That's <laughs> what I'm thinking because uh, I always cut my grass early in the morning because it's hot and I cut it by hand, so it gives me a good workout. Oh yeah. Uh, but then I have to water anything uh, so far. You haven't? No. Wow, you've gotten more rain than us then. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe at least uh, one. If you have it once a week, you know, it should be uh, nothing dry up, depending where you're located, because in the back of my house, a lot of woods is a lot cooler and uh, shadier. But uh, watering the grass at night, mm, 
fungus can accumulate, doesn't it? Yeah, because it needs time to dry out a little bit. So I wasn't watering the lawn, but just the plants and things. But I was still doing it in in, in the daylight, you know. So I think that maybe that gave it an hour, hour and a half to uh, dry to dry out. and yeah. watering at the base of all the plants that I was watering rather than overhead, like the elephant ears. I mean, my elephant ear leaves are huge, but just aiming the hose at the base, you know, that way it really gets directly to the roots and just waiting until water started bubbling up from the soil before I knew, okay, time to move on to the next one. Um, yeah, because overhead uh, watering, you just really, when it's that hot, you're just wasting your time because it evaporates. Right. But the bottom, the water needs to go to the roots. And sometimes water overhead, not a, not a problem too, you know. Because our summer here, they are so at like 92, 102, depending where you are. Mm-hmm. The um, it, it, You have to fight the fungus all the time. And it's not only the fungus. All the things, if it, they stay humid too long, because humidity is, what, 120 right. all this week? It's just, just incredible, you know. Well, and, and also, uh, I can't stress enough, once I learned this, that, you know, watering... For longer periods of time, less often is going to be more beneficial than just going out there and dumping a little cup of water on each of your plants every day because that's like just a minimal amount of water that's almost like teasing the roots. They're not really getting the amount that they need. So if you do it less often but at a greater volume, I think that's going to be more beneficial as well in the long run. Yeah, because the water needs to go to the roots. Because if the roots are not healthy, if they don't have anything, the the top is like the elephant ears. I have some too. Oh God, big huge. Yes, yeah, same here. I mean, they're they're as big as my torso, if not larger. Oh, imagine that. Yeah. So, and you just mentioned soil temperatures too. I had to get on um, GeorgiaWeather.net. I wanted to check that out. So, some of the weather stations like Dunwoody that are reporting in Metro Atlanta. The, uh, the humidity is about 95, 98%, depending on where you look, for sure. And, yeah, the soil temperature, let's see what it is. I know it's got to be high. It's been so hot. So yeah. if you go four inches into the soil, that soil temperature is 80 degrees. Yeah, and our clay, you know, uh, other if you have a lot of sand in, in your soil, you're okay, you know. But our clay here, it become a brick in no time. Even the tropical, if you don't repot them every, the first year they're doing great. The second year, the third year, they, they are struggling. Because if you look at the bottom of the pot, it's like clay. Mm-hmm. That's why they make brick here in the south, because <laughs> it's, it's clay. No, you're and right. it needs to be uh, ad- uh, amended and perlite. Perlite is very good, you know. Yeah, perlite kind of allows the soil to be broken up a little bit and let it breathe, right? Yeah, and the perlite all uh, the water too. That's right. It's like a sponge, you know. That's right. So a bag of perlite don't cost much, but mix it and you be rewarded, you know, because oh, uh, oh when the f- the first time, the first year you do all you pot and everything, it looks so great, and then you take picture, and then three years later you say, oh boy, start it all over again. Mm-hmm. Tropical. You know, you, know. you know what I did? I I don't have very many potted things this year, but what I did do, I tried to start marigolds from seed back in February when I started my vegetables. 
And I did it too early. They didn't get enough of the heat lamp, so nothing ever germinated. So I just recently took those marigold seeds and all those little seed trays and just dumped them into a long rectangular planter on the back deck that I hadn't put anything in yet and watered it down real good. Do you think I'm going to get anything? Um, marigold, you know, it's better because you planted too early. The soil was too cold. Yeah. The best thing, actually, this time of the year is zinnia. Oh, I love those. There is a house in my neighborhood that has them covered on the corner. She's right at the corner of two streets. And every summer when I walk to the pool, I look forward to seeing that house because they always come back. They're gorgeous, and there's so many different colors. They're such good cut flowers. They're beautiful. After so many years I've been gardening, you know, all this little thing that you buy. But zinnia and two, three or more, they're just tough. Tough, tough, mm-hmm. and uh, you cannot go wrong. And like you said, there's tall one, and then you mix with a short one, and all kind of call it. Zinnia is the best. I you don't know, know why they're so tough. Yeah, and I never really had any problems with insects eating the leaves or stems breaking no. or anything like that with zinnias. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, you said and you um you hand cut the lawn. What else have you been working on? Uh. I've been uh, a little short of time all this week, you know, for uh, here and there. I'm telling you, cutting the grass, if you have a lot by hand, you know, this rotary thing, there's mm-hmm. no mortar or anything. Oh, boy, it keeps you in shape, but you have to do it early in the morning. <laughs> early it in the morning. It gives you a good workout, yes. you know. And it's better. She, Mr. Reeve and me, we were uh, talking one time, he said, uh, if you return the the clipping, uh, like rotary, uh-huh. you don't pick up the clipping. You mm-hmm. return it, and it's, lo- it's do like, um, um, how can I say that? It it does uh, it re- fertilize. Yeah, it replenishes return. by adding yeah. nitrogen back to the soil. Yeah, yeah, and that was a debate for so many years, and still some just really believe in bagging. I think really the only time it's advantageous to bag lawn clippings is if you've just waited way too long and it's way too tall or it's just overrun with seeds or weeds I mean if it's overrun with weeds then what you're doing in that mower is just picking up all of those things and you don't want to return all the weed seeds back to the lawn so if everything's just got a little out of hand maybe having it bagged the first time is probably the best but then as long as you keep up with it mowing once or twice a week at the right height no bag absolutely yes yes because uh People waited three or four uh, feet tall, and I said, God Almighty, mm-hmm. because you got all those black and those yellow stuff everywhere, you know. Are you talking about thatch? Yes. Oh, that's the best thing to do. If you have uh, maybe two weeks ago, that's what I did, detached too, with a big rake, uh, steel rake, not a plastic rake. That do a world because um, the thatch accumulates and it don't let the water. And it's another thing for, uh, for uh, anyway. So, uh, lost, lost well, once you time. raked all that up, did you just bag it? Yes, because, you know, it's all that stuff. It won't do anything. It's just uh, compound, compound the soil, yeah. you know. And oh, my thing is, is the great thing. My fescue is struggling right now because it has been so dry up in northwest Georgia that the fescue is just really struggling. It was so full and so happy and lush because we've seeded, you know, twice a year regularly now for a while. And back in May, it looked great. And I can just tell it's kind of starting to peter out. So I'm really ready for that new seed application in September to strengthen it back up. But do you have a lot of shade? Uh, you know, uh, grass, 
grass, uh, there's a lot of different grass that love the shade in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. They do a lot better than just full sun. Yeah. yeah depending what kind of grass you have, too. Yeah. Well, Nicole, we're going to go ahead and get out of here, but I'm so glad you called and checked in. Thank you so much, and hopefully we'll be talking to you next Saturday. Enjoy your day. Awesome. You too, Nicole. 404-872-0750 is the number to reach green and growing. We're going to step out and check traffic. We had a red alert earlier. I think Mike Shields is going to give us some better news, and we'll be back on WSB. All right, we're back on Green and Growing and want to give you a weather update. You're going to get the complete forecast from Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz in just a couple of minutes. But for the weekend, anyways, isolated thunderstorms today and tomorrow. A high of 93 today and the same tomorrow. So a mix of clouds and sunshine. Just look out for an isolated thunderstorm. That's possible because it is summertime in Atlanta. Green and Growing. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Things to be out on the lookout for, and if you have very limited time, these are just three basic things that you could get done this weekend. Number one, seeing spots in your lawn that shouldn't be there. Well, maintain a lawn while reducing the opportunity for disease. You have to keep the lawn nutrients at adequate levels and don't ever over-apply nitrogen during the growing seasons, especially if you've never had a soil test done. You want to do that first. Reduce thatch buildup, just like Nicole and I spoke about, and increase soil oxygen levels by aerating when adequate moisture levels allow it. So just keep an eye on the lawns right now. Number two, you may have bugs in the lawn. You have to check for webworms, cutworms, even army worms and chinch bugs. Indications of webworm and cutworm, for example, if you have infestations of them. It's like spider-like webs on the lawn. It's going to be a little more noticeable in the morning when the dew is still on the lawn. So use an insecticide that's for use on your particular grass. And number three, the best time to harvest most herbs is just before flowering when the leaves contain the maximum essential oils. That's the flavor that you want from the herbs. Cut herbs early on a sunny day, and it's best to water the day before to wash off the foliage before you pick it. 404-872-0750. Up first on Green and Growing, it's Nick. Hey, good morning, Nick. Good morning. So you have a question about a gardenia. What's going on? Well, there's four or five of them and the gardenia tree. And um, like I said, it's a new house. So I had to take some plants out that the builders planted because I guess they didn't take the time. A lot of them had wet feet. Uh and replant those but the gardenias i planted and um they're all i guess they're dying they flower the flower dies real quick the leaves turn yellow immediately they start to fall and my neighbor's got some also but they're on the west side of his house and they're doing great mine are on the east side and they get pounded by the sun so i didn't know if the sun was killing them or what do I need to do about it? You know, gardenias do like sun, so I think if you have it planted in the east, I think that's probably best because you get really morning to early afternoon sun, right? Right. Yeah, I think that's probably best. What you wanted to make sure when you planted them was that you didn't plant them too deeply and you really teased out those roots really well because some of the leaves yellowing and the flowers dying could indicate root rot. Now, I don't know that that's the case, but over time... 
if and when the plant just slowly starts to decline and then it's it's dead, unfortunately, that's the indication that it had root rot. So it's hard to control. It's actually best to prevent that. So maybe double check that. Make sure you didn't plant too deeply. And when you do water, like you said, the, the builder planting the previous ones, maybe they were planted too deep or just in an area that was too compacted if they stayed too wet. So always water at the base of the plant. Make sure that water doesn't stay laying in that same spot a few hours after you water. we got to take a break and check news, weather, and traffic, and more of your calls, 404-872-0750. This is Green and Growing on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hopefully you've had some time to enjoy the outdoors and stay cool while doing so. You're listening to Green and Growing here on WSB. Anything about gardening, anything about the outdoors, and whether you have a question or just want to share something, gardeners love sharing their experiences with one another and their successes and their failures, and that's how we learn. 404-872-0750. A lot of you are harvesting vegetables right now, which is so exciting. There's so much going on outside. You're looking at your tomatoes, your cucumbers, your squash, zucchini, and sharing them with friends and neighbors, and I absolutely love that. Now, we learned a difficult lesson this year with the garden that we planted. I built the raised beds in the yard maybe back in April with the help of my husband, of course, and have pictures on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. And we were so excited about that, like 90 bags of soil or something to fill these raised beds. And come to find out the area doesn't get enough sun. That is definitely something we should have known early on. And I also saw uh, another friend who does television here in Metro Atlanta. She's kind of disappointed with her return on crops this year as well. So I want to talk to Caitlin and see what's going on with her garden. She just didn't get the return in the yield that she thought she would. So sun plays a huge part. The leaves have to get the sun to produce everything. And sometimes the fruit itself and the vegetables, they don't like as much sun just because of sun scald and chances for things like that. But the leaves, the larger they grow and the more prolific the leaves are on the plant, then they're able to kind of protect the fruit as it's coming on from the bright, hot sunshine. So very important to the whole process. We may get a couple of cucumbers. That's going to be exciting. My bell pepper plants have not even flowered yet, so that's really kind of starting to stress me out. But you know who always has the answers? Our friend Walter Reeves. And this is the time of day. Every Saturday morning, we have him on the show. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Walter Reeves back with us on a beautiful Saturday morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Ashley. I'm great as usual. Now, this is Walter Wonders, and it's things that you're wondering, but it could also be things that I'm wondering, or even (laughs) some of my listeners, things that they're wondering. So can I pick your brain about this one? Sure, sure, sure. All right. This was a a post to my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, from Adam and Kimberly. And they said, Ashley, how can I keep slugs from eating my strawberries? And I thought of you because after all those years of you getting slugs drunk, I knew you had good (laughs) advice. (laughs) Slugs come to my house before they come to anybody's house because I get them drunk. 
That's right. <laughs> Tell us how it's done. So what I do when I see slug damage on my hostas most likely place, because they love hosta leaves for some reason, just a perfect crunch, I guess, to, to a slug to have for lunch or breakfast or dinner. I put a saucer of beer, old beer usually, and I can usually call it my neighbor's. Uh, we don't have old beer at this house. We have a lot of beer. We drink it right up. Right. Uh, but sometimes my neighbors might have a little bit of beer left in a, in a bottle. And so I take a saucer and press it into the ground just so the edge of the saucer is level with the surface of the soil and pour the beer into that saucer. And it smells so good to a slug. The slug comes around and says, oh, boy, i got to have some of that. And they crawl into the saucer, usually take enough beer to drown, and then they come the next morning, you got a saucer full of dead, happy slugs. Wow. That is really something. <laughs> I wonder who initially came up with that. Somebody in the Druid age back a long time ago when they just invented beer, they probably saw outside their cave, they saw a lot of slugs going, hey, hey, what you got in there? Beer? Yeah, come on, yeah. bring it on. All right, so Adam and Kimberly were talking about their strawberry plants, but you mentioned hostas, but seems yeah. to me like slugs would prefer that dark, moist kind of place to hide, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, things that have low leaves, strawberry being one of them, and hosta being another. Any plant that has low leaves where it's real humid, close to the ground, that's where a slug or a snail would uh, prefer to be. And I might take a minute actually to describe what the damage looks like or a slug or a snail on either well, I guess on strawberries, it's pretty common to see the half of the strawberry eaten there on the ground. Mm -hmm. But for a leaf like a hosta, it's sort of an irregular quarter-inch wide scar, just a sort of tracing of, of chewed flesh or chewed leaf on a hosta leaf. And it's pretty common to see also a trail of slime. It can be dried out even, but in the sunshine, if you notice, there's a little trail of slime behind where the eaten part of the leaf is, and that slime, of course, is put down by the slug or the snail to lubricate their way along the leaf. Did you know that slugs and snails are called gastropods? No. And the name gastropod means stomach foot, because people used to believe that they ate with their feet, that their feet had teeth or something in them, huh. and that's what they used to eat the leaves of hosta or the flesh of strawberries. So a gastropod is a stomach foot creature. Not a gastropub, but a gastropod. <laughs> <laughs> they would go to a gastropub, probably. They totally would. They would totally belong there. So beer is there, something that's not toxic, so that's yeah. not a bad idea. Are there chemical controls? I don't know why people would use a chemical control if beer is an there option. Are. There are chemical controls. We call them chemical controls that are still non-toxic to dogs and cats and kids and things like that. There's one product, I don't know if it's still on the market. I'm sure there are imitators now. It was called Sluggo at the time, S-L-U-G-G-O, Sluggo, just like in the Popeye cartoons. And Sluggo, it looked like toothpaste. It came in a tube, and it looked like toothpaste. And you put it around your plants, and it had iron phosphate in it. Iron phosphate is a poison to a slug, but doesn't harm animals at all. And so that was considered a safe way, chemical way, of controlling slugs and snails. Before that, they had... These slug pellets that had metaldehyde in them, which was poisonous to dogs and cats and kids. So I don't recommend that ever. But um, the iron phosphate with Sluggo and imitators and the beer seems to work well. Oh, I have another one, too. Ooh. This would be for the non-drinking, for the Alcoholics Anonymous Club for, for Slugs and Snails. Okay. And this is simple. This is a rind. What do you call it? When you hollow out a cantaloupe, what do you call those, the skin, the rind? The, rind. Mm -hmm. Okay, the rind of a cantaloupe. When you have a cantaloupe, hollow it out until you have half a cantaloupe. 
and put that on the ground with a little stick underneath to prop it up just a little bit so a slug or a snail can get underneath. And like you said, they love moist areas. And so they go underneath there. There's something to eat, too. Mmm, smells so good. Cantaloupe, yow. And you go underneath there. They eat for a while. And every morning when you get up, go out to your garden, tip over the cantaloupe rind, and you'll see five or six or seven slugs or snails in there. Happy, happy, happy. And then you flip those into a bucket of soapy water feed them to the chickens or whatever you want to do with them. So that's good, concentrating them all in one place so that removal yeah. is easier. You can put a plank out there. I've done that too. It's, I took an old plank and uh, propped it up off the ground with two or three little rocks, I guess. It's only about mm, half an inch to an inch maybe off the ground. And the slugs and snails will accumulate under there. They get together with all their friends underneath the plank. Same thing. You get them to concentrate in one place. And then you can pick them up and dispose of them. Slugs do not have any kind of shell. They've just got right. like a long, soft, maybe gray body. If yes. you've never stepped on a slug with your bare feet, oh, they're icky, yeah. nasty. So let's talk about snails, right. which folks can maybe visualize a little bit better. Obviously, snails have shells. They could be yeah. all different sizes. But what damage do they do? Are they as worrisome as slugs? Same as the slug. Yeah, they're just a little bit smaller. There are some pretty big snails, but not so much in Georgia, they live in Florida, they have a what's called a wolf snail. A wolf snail is really, they're hungry. They eat a lot of stuff in Florida. We don't have them in Georgia yet. But the normal garden snail, we call them, they are just smaller, so they don't do quite as much damage, but it's the same. Eating parts of the leaf with a slime trail behind them, yeah, it's a snail. Eat your, eat your hasa, eat your strawberry. Now, something that may be commonly mentioned on garden blogs and things of that nature is copper as a repellent. What's your thought yeah. there? Uh, proven not to work. Ah. <laughs> is that good enough? Yes. Uh, you could, the theory is, is you put copper pennies or copper wire or copper screening around the edge of your pot and when the snail or slug comes in contact with it, it has a galvanic response somehow and electrocutes them, shocks them, makes them not want to be there anymore. And it has been proven over and over again that it just doesn't work. They don't, they're not repelled by copper. Debunking garden myths because you've been exactly. around long enough to try it all. Exactly. That don't work at all. <laughs> We're headed over to your house to get some beer. <laughs> like I told you, there's not any left over here. Well, that's a little early, we'll too. To Maybe we should wait. You didn't have a little bit in the refrigerator. <laughs> well, I love my neighbor because his beer refrigerator is on his carport, so it's easy to get to if you run out here, run over there. Ooh, don't say which neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Walter, thanks so much That's very useful information We're going to be on the lookout for those icky, slimy creatures You got it, Ashley Good to talk to you So you may be seeing slugs, snails, whatever the creature I think I can help you identify it And how to treat it 404-872-0750 Whatever you're seeing in the lawn We'll work together to get you an answer And coming up at 7.30 Erica Glazner, author and personality on HGTV. She's going to be along to help answer questions as well. So if you have some tough ones, call in just before 7.30. Erica and I will answer the questions. All right, up next, Marjorie calling from Douglasville. Hey, Marjorie, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning to you too. I love your show. Thank you. So uh, what plant have, are you trying? Well, right now I have someone that had brought me a cutting off of a spider plant or its real name is Cleome. And I... Um, I have it in a pot, and it's growing very well. And it also, right now, it's probably close to uh, 36 inches tall. Wow. And it only has a sign of one flower at the very top starting out real well.
And I wonder, does that have more than one flower from all the other leaves that are on the, uh, you know, growing up with it? Okay, so uh, I want to differentiate a little bit. Cleome, you've got spider mm-hmm. flower. Um, well, spider, yeah, yeah. I, they may have called it spider plant, which I could see that that could be confused. Spider plant, a lot of folks uh, refer to the house plant that's just got the real thin, blady, like light green leaves, and that does not flower. But yes, yeah, spider flower, Cleome, that is an awesome annual here in Georgia. It's an annual, but in different zones, it could be a perennial. So once it's established, how long have you had it in the pot? Well, I've had it only maybe just really this month. It's done real well in that pot. Okay, good. So it established pretty quickly. They love full sun. If y'all have never seen a spider flower, it's actually really cool to look up. They come in white and lavender and pink, and the flowers kind of all radiate from one central, or the petals all radiate from one central spot. And the variety that I'm looking at right now, but the white's not going to do this. It's got like a two-tone lavender. Some of the flowers and the petals on the top get a little darker. So yes, what you've got, you've got multiple stems, right, Marjorie? Yes, and it's pink. It's showing pink on the top Beautiful. where the flower is. Yeah. And I have I have um, in an area where I have some of the uh, hummingbirds. And one yesterday, uh, it was just going crazy over this plant. So I just wondered if it's going to have more than one flower or it's just that one flower going to be it. It will. It will get more. It should. And once it gets really established, maybe, I mean, I'm glad you've got one flower at least uh, in just that short period of time. But the more it gets established, it is going to produce more flowers. And thankfully, you know, we're only in the middle of July, so you've still got another couple of good two, two and a half months to get some more flowers on there. And it attracts the hummingbird moth, too. So be on the lookout for that. It's not very fragrant, but like you said, it can be three to four feet in height. So just keep it watered, keep it in full sun, and it's going to do great. Mulch it if you haven't already. But yeah, I think it's perfectly happy, and you can definitely expect more flowers. Can I bring that in during the winter? or No, really, that- here we just have luck keeping it as an annual, so I don't think it's going to overwinter. You could try. There's never gotcha. any harm in trying, yeah, because it's so beautiful, but... Yeah, don't don't be too surprised or disappointed if it just doesn't come back. Okay, well, we appreciate the help. Awesome. Thank you very much. Have a blessed day. You Thank too, you. Marjorie. Good to hear from you. And your call can be next, 404-872-0750. This is Green and Growing on WSB. So I hope you weren't listening to my weather forecast 30 minutes ago. That's why we leave it up to the professionals, Kirk Mellish and Brad Nitz, because I told you there's a chance for rain today. There's not. (laughs) I was looking at the wrong day. I gave you the forecast for Sunday and Monday. So today's Saturday, no chance of rain, but it is still going to be a high around 93 with the heat index and all that stuff. It's going to feel like close to 100, so it's going to be a little crazy. But tomorrow... That's when you have a chance for isolated thunderstorms. High again in the low 90s and lows only getting around the mid-70s. So look out for the mixed clouds and sunshine with thunderstorms possible tomorrow. Green green, and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. What I do know, what I do know is what you could be doing in the landscape this weekend. If you have no other time, do these three things 
quick and easy. Number one, the best time to harvest your herbs is just before they flower when the leaves contain the maximum essential oils. That's what gives it the flavor. Cut herbs early on a sunny day, and it's best to water maybe the day before you plan to pick them. Number two, if you're seeing spots in your lawn that shouldn't be there, you want to maintain a healthy lawn while reducing the opportunities for disease Keep the lawn nutrients at adequate levels. Don't overapply nitrogen during the growing seasons. That's when you need a soil test just to see what you've already got there. And number three, bugs in your lawn. We'll check for webworms, cutworms, armyworms, and cinch bugs. Cinch bugs, that's easy for me to say. Indications of either one of those, the webworm or the cutworm. You're going to see spider-like webs on the lawn, really a little more obvious early in the morning. Use an insecticide that's best for your particular lawn. And speaking of, we've got about a minute, and Eddie in Stone Mountain calling with a question about his lawn. Hey, Eddie, good morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing? What's going on? Well, I got a, it's on the hillside, and I got a lot of trees in the house, around the house. It's real shady. And I got this green stuff that looks like moss. I don't know if that's what it is. It looks almost like carpet. And I went to Home Depot and got some of the moss treatment and put it on it. And um, last year, it didn't do much to it. It didn't, it didn't really make a dent. Initially, do when you, I put do it, it... You, do you have Bermuda? Dent. Yeah. All right. I'm going to save you some money going forward. And maybe, if you haven't already opened the container from the big box store... Maybe you can return it because what you have is slime mold. Slime mold looks that silvery gray color. It's prevalent on Bermuda lawn and it's harmless. So that's really good to know. You can just wash it off with a hose and it does happen a lot. There's not a lot that you can do to prevent it, but just when it happens, hose it off. And you'll notice sometimes when you wear your sneakers in the house or something like that, you track in like a black dust from it. So good news for you, Eddie. No treatment necessary. So return that. Get your money back. All right, we're going to take a break. Check news, weather, and traffic. And we will be back with celebrity gardener Mark Wills here on 95.5 WSB. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.